Hi, friend. Welcome to North City Church's podcast. We're a community that loves our neighbors in the way of Jesus. And we hope that this message or teaching empowers you to do just that in your everyday life. If you want to learn more about the ways our community is trying to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and online at NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. Enjoy the message. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Dale. My wife Judy and I have been part of uh, North City since last summer and loving Dinner Church and being part of this community. And I was honored when JD and Christian Ann said they wanted to hear from people in the community. And so she, Christian Ann and JD, asked me if I would be willing to share the Jesus story. So I'm excited to do that. Um, I thought I'd take a little poll. How many of you are like, I don't really care about napping at all. It's just really not in my life at all. A few of you? Yeah. My wife is there with you. She's right there. So how many of you are like, can't get enough napping? I'd do it every day if I could. Yes, I am right there with you. Any of you like in the middle? Like any, like, there's a few of you. Yeah, you're lukewarm. Yeah, a little lukewarm on napping. That's okay. We won't judge you. I grew up uh, as a child in Ecuador, South America, and in the Latin culture, siestas are built into your life. So as a child growing up, we had an hour and a half for lunch. So I would go home every day for lunch. My mom and dad would have a meal ready for me, and I would eat as quick as I could possibly eat because I wanted to get to the hammock for the nap. And so every day as a child, I grew up with taking a nap. And so that's like built into my blood, and as an adult, I can still do it. In fact, I loved COVID because I got to work from home a lot, which meant I could build in a nap into my day a lot. And I am also one of those, I, how many I like took a nap today? Like I already took my nap today. So a few of you tried, yes. Yeah, he's a little too much this morning. Yeah, yeah the time change, yes. So I am, I'm definitely on the I can't get enough napping kind of thing. Well, as, what? But they're short. Yeah, my wife's like, like a 20-minute napper, power napper kind of thing. It's all you need. Yep. Anyways. Um, so as Kara mentioned earlier in our Jesus story today, we're going to encounter Jesus uh, taking a nap. And this particular story takes place on uh, a lake, on the shore of a lake. At least it starts there. Um, in the Bible, it's often referred to as the Sea of Galilee. It was a freshwater lake. And it was a lake that wasn't too far from where Jesus had grown up in Nazareth. So he probably kind of had spent time at this lake even before he started his public ministry. And it was also at this lake where he called some of his disciples, the apostles, to come follow him. And you may remember this story of Jesus being on the shore and he sees two fishermen, uh, James and John, and he calls them to come follow him. And then he also calls Peter and Andrew. So there's four fishermen amongst the 12 at a minimum. And this particular story takes place on the Sea of Galilee, and it comes from Mark chapter 4, and it begins this way. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that it got into a boat and sat in it out in the lake with all the people along the shore, along the water's edge. And he taught them in many stories. Have you ever been on the edge of a lake and had people in the middle of the lake and they're in their boats and then maybe they stop and they're swimming or they're in a raft and you can hear them like really plainly? Yeah. yeah. Well, Jesus or maybe these fishermen that were part of his disciples knew that 
the voice carries across the water, and it actually kind of acts like one of these microphones. <laughs> and so Jesus has this massive crowd of people, and so he puts out into the boat a little ways, and he spends the day telling them stories. They're really kind of almost riddles. He doesn't explain them, and uh, kind of frustrates people probably more than anything. And then we pick up at the end of the day what happens next. Because it says, then the day, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. So it's evening, and this actually is an important little detail that John Mark, who is writing this biography of Jesus, he's actually writing down, he wasn't an eyewitness of Jesus, but he's writing down Peter's stories and Peter's eyewitness account, and it's evening. And in evening, along the, the lake, when the sun goes down, you, you know what that feeling is like when the heat of the day kind of subsides and the cool of the evening starts. And then in that transition, there's kind of a dynamic that can happen along the Sea of Galilee, and we're going to experience that as the story goes along. It says that Jesus said, let's go over to the other side and leaving the crowds behind. They took him along, and I love this little line, just as he was in the boat. I don't know why it has to tell us that he goes in the boat just as he was. Maybe it's just telling us Jesus was really light on traveling, like he didn't need to go get his luggage or anything. He was just ready to go. Right? I don't know what that really meant. I didn't do any deep research on that little line. But they took Jesus just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So you get this little flotilla of boats. Get the image? And Jesus is in one of them. And I kind of imagine that at least Peter is in this boat with Jesus. And maybe some of the you know, experienced fishermen are spread out amongst the boats because they know kind of what happens. But then it says, a furious squall came up. A squall. This is really mostly a wind event, and it happens often on the Sea of Galilee in this period of transition between day and evening. And often it's just like, you know, it's a wind event. But this is no normal wind event, because we're told that a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that they were nearly swamped. And I imagine this scene this way, like, you know, you have some experienced fishermen in some of these boats, and at first they're looking around at each other going, oh, this, is, this is a decent little wind, right? And then everybody else is kind of like, whoa, whoa, this is, this is a lot of wind, right? People that aren't used to being on fishing boats in the middle of the lake at night. But they look at each other like, this isn't so bad, and, you know, they're kind of, but then the waves hit, right? And they're starting to take on water, right? And I imagine Peter and James and John and Andrew start looking at each other and going, whoa, this is like, this is a hardcore event. In fact, it goes so far as to say they were taking on waves, or the waves broke over the boat, so they were nearly swamped. So they're about to go down, right? And I imagine that Peter was in the boat with Jesus, and he's looking around, and things are getting bad, and he's a fisherman, and he knows how things are going, and that it's not going so well, and he's like brought the sails down so that you know they don't get tipped over. They're bailing water because they're about to swamp, and he's looking around in the chaos. I love Kara picked the song Chaos. Like it's just chaos, right? And then Peter looks at the back of the boat and he sees this. Jesus was in the stern or the back of the boat, and then we learn this little detail: sleeping on a cushion. Isn't that hilarious? It's like all this chaos is going on, and Peter's looking around, all this, and he looks back and says, Jesus, asleep, on a cushion, <laughs> curled up. You ever had a squall hit your life? 
the winds come up, the waves are crashing into the boat, and you feel like you're about to swamp? And do you ever feel like, at times, Jesus is just asleep? Doesn't even know what's going on. Totally oblivious. What do you do in those kind of places and times? Well, in this story, not surprisingly, because it's Peter, right, and the disciples, we learned that the disciples woke him up. I imagine it going kind of like, you know, Peter's up about halfway in the boat, and he's like he's tossing and turning, and he sees Jesus, and he's like, this is too much. And he's trying to get back to Jesus, right? And he gets his hand on his shoulder and kind of shakes him a little bit, and nothing. Sh grabs him, shakes him a little more until Jesus pops awake, right? And the disciples say, Rabbi, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. When I was in my early 30s, I was dismissed from a job. Wasn't expecting it. Um, it was rather traumatic. It felt unjust to me also. And that launched our family into winds and waves and feeling like we were almost going to swamp. I was scrambling to get work. We were trying to figure out what we are going to do. We had just had our second child. And it was one of those seasons where like, everything was swirling all at the same time. I ended up getting work that wasn't in my field of you know, training and things. And for 18 months, I was working outside of my kind of profession and my field. And it wasn't just that I had lost my job, but I was, I was really angry. I was really angry at God. And it was during that season that a friend of mine introduced me to something that was in the Bible that I had never really paid attention to. And he basically encouraged me to grab Jesus by the shoulder and shake him. It's OK to try to shake God awake. In the Bible, there are these kinds of literature, these kinds of sayings that are called laments. Laments are complaints. They're angry statements about God. I learned that it was actually okay in my relationship with God. I'd never done this before to like shake my fist at God, <laughs> to tell God I was really angry at God, to tell God that you're asleep on the job right now. now one of the passages that this friend of mine, his name was Scott, told me about, he's like, use this as an example of your prayer life right now because you're really ticked off, but you need to tell God this. It comes from Habakkuk, just a couple of verses. And the prophet Habakkuk says this to God. <laughs> I didn't think this was an okay way to talk to God. I didn't think it was okay to grab God by the shoulders and try to shake him awake. But Habakkuk says this, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict all around me. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Sometimes when the storm hits, when the squall comes, the good thing, the right thing, the best thing to do is to actually grab, 
God by the shoulders and shake. And that's what the disciples do. And it's significant to me that when Jesus does come awake, it says that he got up and he rebuked not Peter and the disciples for waking him up, which is kind of how I would imagine it would be, like, you're waking me up, I'm having a good nap. But Jesus doesn't rebuke them for that. He instead rebukes the wind and the waves and becomes calm. But this isn't quite the end of the story, so stay with me just for two more minutes. Because the end of the story goes like this. After Jesus is awake, after he calms everything down, he says to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I never really reflected on that part of this story until more recently, and I got to imagining, how would this story have gone if like, they hadn't been super afraid? Why are you so afraid, Jesus says. It's not like they're kind of afraid. They're like so afraid. How would this story have gone if they would have had a little more faith? And I got to imagining Peter again. You know, he's in the boat. It's all rocking around. And he looks back and he sees Jesus asleep on the cushion. But maybe if he hadn't been so afraid, maybe if he had had a little more faith, he wouldn't have gone back and grabbed Jesus by the shoulders and shake Jesus, which is an okay thing to do. But maybe, maybe he would have just watched Jesus sleeping and waited until Jesus woke up on his own. And I got to wondering about that. Have you ever watched a baby sleep? I was just telling Kaywin that. In the fall, she would bring Phoebe to one of our gatherings, and I'd watch Phoebe sleep. Didn't get a lot out of those gatherings, because I was always watching Phoebe sleep. <laughs> Something beautiful about watching someone sleep, isn't it? And in this story, you would have to really have a lot of trust, wouldn't you? <laughs> and you couldn't be so afraid if you could just watch and wait. About two years ago right now, the place where I was working closed. And I found myself, again, in a season of transition, a season of being <clears throat> between uh, jobs. And it's interesting, as I've been reflecting on that particular season, for some reason, in that season, it felt different. I didn't feel as much of a need to shake God, to grab Jesus by the shoulders and say, wake up. Don't you care if we drowned? For some reason, in that season, I felt this peace to just trust that I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to. And so in that season, there were times that I, in my journaling and talking with Jesus, you know, shook God by the shoulders. <laughs> but there were also times where I just watched, curious. How's God going to work this one out? And it was much more comfortable just to wait wait for Jesus, wait for God to kind of wake up and bring along the next thing. And God did. Sometimes the good and right thing to do is to shake. Sometimes the good and right thing to do is to watch and to wait. Well, that's our Jesus for story for today. So I want to invite you to turn at your tables, and we go into what we call a time of listening. Time to listen to one another. What stood out for you in this story today? 
in what uh, I read for you or what I said to you. And listening to one another and recognizing that when we're listening to one another, often we get an opportunity to listen to God, reveal to us what stands out. So I invite you to go back to your tables for the next, how long do we do this, Krishna? Like five minutes, seven minutes? She's not listening to me. Kara, it's about 10 minutes. It's about 10 minutes. Five to 10 minutes. Okay, five to 10 minutes. And uh, share what stood out for you from this story. Ready, set, go.